Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, typically, backup quarterback announcements are kind of like the footnote of NFL training camps. Typically, you don't get a bunch of hype and fanfare around a QB2 announcement because typically there is no such thing as a QB2 announcement. They don't make those announcements. Somehow, however, the Niners dropped the QB2 announcement, and it was the QB2 announcement heard around the world. And the Niners' backup quarterback is, wait for it, a little longer, longer, now, Alvy, a drum roll, please. Waiting. Thank you, Alvin. Per always today would be great. The Niners' backup quarterback is Sam Darnold, who I like. I've always liked. Talented dude. SoCal guy. Grew up not far from here. And no, he has not lived up to his immense pre-draft, uh, pre-draft hype coming out of college. Not yet. But I don't think we've seen his best football yet. And I still think that this guy can start and win in the NFL. Maybe not with the 49ers. But then again, I would imagine at some point this year, they're going to need this guy. However, I just think generally speaking, I still believe in Sam Darnold. I still think he can start in the NFL. I still think that he can win. However... That's not why the announcement was huge NFL news. The announcement was huge NFL news because the Niners QB2 is not Trey Lance. That's why that's news. Not that because it's Sam Darnold, but because it's not Lance, a.k.a. the dude that they traded three first-round picks for and mortgaged their future for and spent the number three overall pick on. And here's the kicker. Trey Lance might not even be QB3 right now, at least according to Tom Pelissero, who says that Brandon Allen is actually ahead of Lance right now, which means a guy who they gave up three first-rounders for and selected third overall may actually be QB4, if such a thing even existed. And if he is QB4 then that means Trey Lance is the odd man out, which pretty much means Trey Lance just got cemented as one of the most catastrophic draft picks of all time. The dude the Niners bet it all on looks like his Niner career is over before it even really started. And now they're essentially shopping this guy around for a bag of footballs and a couple of kicking tees and maybe a net. I mean, how much could they possibly get for this guy anyway? How much could they possibly get for somebody that they believe is worse than Brandon Allen? No offense, B.A. No offense, Brandon Allen, but you're Brandon Allen. And he's definitely not a former number three overall pick. They're one of the best franchises in the NFL, bet it all on. I mean, all that draft capital and the third pick overall. And not only is this guy not your face of the franchise— Not only is he not your starting quarterback, he's not even your backup. Whoever makes a decision like that, 
Whoever pushes for a move like that generally does not just lose their job, they lose their career. They end up selling insurance or they end up working at Big Head's car and dog wash, especially given the head's closeness and affinity for his surrogate dad, Rat Shanahan, and stepbrother Kyle. Brother. I mean, I got to be honest. Instead of talking about what an amazing story Brock Purdy is, why don't we take a moment and consider what an unmitigated disaster the Trey Lance transaction is? I mean, that is an all-time draft catastrophe. My man John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, I mean, these are two brilliant dudes. Both of them. Brilliant dudes. And they've got almost everything else right. But this, their biggest call so far, could not have been botched any worse. I don't know who was pushing for it. I know there was some dissension in the organization. I don't know who wanted it. I don't know who didn't want it. But Frisco fan, this is about to go. Frisco, Frisco hey, fan. Frisco hey, Frisco fan. Hey, Frisco fan. Frisco fan. I need to hear Mike to get the right tone. Hey, Frisco hey, fan. Hey, Frisco fan. This is about to go from painful to straight torture. So maybe cover up your ears for like the next 60. 60 seconds, Frisco fan. Hey, check this out. Hey, for the rest of you, check out the 10 players selected following Trey Lance in the 2021 draft. Check this. Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Panay Sewell, J.C. Horn, Pat Sertan, Devontae Smith, Justin Fields, Micah Spicy Parsons, Rashawn Slater. As in, hit, 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 hit. Hit it again. Ten straight hits. Six of those dudes have already made the Pro Bowl. Not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, not ten. Ten straight hits. Six of them have already made the Pro Bowl. At least two and maybe more already seem to be on track for a mustard jacket. That's one of the best runs of draft picks in the history of the draft. And it came immediately after the Niners made one of the worst picks in the history of the draft. It's mind-blowing. And as if that Lance pick was not painful enough, on face value, they could have had essentially a Pro Bowl-level player at any other position instead. Plus, they would have gotten to keep their first-round picks in the next two drafts. Whoops! And when you want to talk about draft capital out the door, let's not forget all the draft picks they gave up for Christian McCaffrey. Granted, he's worth it. I'm just saying they're without those picks too. So not only do they not have the other firsts, what they have is a QB... All right, maybe QB4 is harsh. QB three and a half who frankly does not seem like he's improved at all since he turned pro, which is understandable because he really hasn't played much at all since 2019. So again, as brilliant and as successful as Lobster Jr. and John Lynch have been, it was awfully odd not to see either of them front and center 
talking about it to the media yesterday, but instead to have team leader Fred Warner out there try to deal with it. I mean, poor Fred got pushed right out in front of the bus. And he didn't actually have any information. So what the hell was he supposed to say? He's out there, and he's the one sent out to answer questions directly without having any idea what the hell is going on. I mean, honestly, I I don't know much about the situation. Like, complete honesty. I I came out to practice. I saw there was only three quarterbacks out there. Trey's not out there. So, I mean, I'm trying to ask around what's going on. There's not a clear answer right now. Um, Obviously... Love Trey. I don't know what's going on with him right now or what's what's going to be next. But, um, yeah, we just got to keep preparing, get ready. We have a game on Friday, keep preparing towards Pittsburgh, getting better. But with the QB stuff, I'm not. I'm honestly not even sure what, what exactly is going on. So, I mean, what a legend. What a stud. <laughs> what an incredible dude. Like, what the hell was he doing out there having to answer questions like that? He said, I don't know what's going on, honestly. I know I'm the guy. I know I'm a leader. I'll take one for the organization. The hell am I doing out here? I mean, what a bleep show. Bad luck. Why hang your all-pro linebacker out like that? How about somebody taking some accountability for blowing it? I mean, we praise the hell out of this awesome organization for pretty much everything else. And understandably so. It's an awesome organization. And a damn good football team still yet. Despite all that. But take the L on this one, guys. Take some ownership on this. Why is Fred out there having to explain it? He didn't make the call. He didn't draft that guy. He didn't give up all those picks to get that guy. He didn't make the decision to have Sam Darnold back up Brock Purdy. You blew it. You know it. We all know it. Time to own it. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year... They automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. And good luck finding a trade partner for this guy. It's not like they haven't been trying to move this guy the entire offseason. And reportedly, they never even came close. I wonder why. Maybe it's because you made it pretty clear that the guy can't play, even though you bet it all on him for some reason. Man, as good as the Niners are and as good as they've been, imagine if they didn't do that. Imagine if they didn't blow that whole thing up. Imagine if they didn't blow that pick. Imagine if they didn't give up all that draft capital. And imagine how screwed they'd be if they didn't hit on a lotto ticket and turn Mr. Irrelevant into their QB1. Big Clock Brock is an amazing story. But again, haven't we talked enough about that? We have spent so much time talking about what a great story he is and not nearly enough time talking about how horrific and disastrous that trade was. All right, maybe it was too soon. Maybe we had to wait for Trey Lance to come back from injury. Maybe we had to see him actually show up healthy. Well, we have. So now would be a pretty damn good time to talk about what an absolute abomination that was. One of the worst draft picks and draft pick trades ever Period. Full stop. 
At some point, fellas, there's going to have to be some accountability for that. And I don't mean from Fred Warner. Honestly, not even sure what, what exactly is going on. So, Man, I love that guy. I, I, I don't know. Why are you asking me? And he didn't even say that. Like, he wasn't even put off. He was like, all right, I'll do it. It's part of the job. I'll get up here and deal with this. I'll take a few bullets. I have no information. I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. I don't know much Ask about away. I know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here for it. Go ahead and ask me. Although I know nothing. It's incredible that one of the worst draft day transactions did not wreck entire careers, much less the franchise itself, but it hasn't. It hasn't. But it doesn't make it any less of an abomination. Bad deal. I mean, bad deal all the way around. Incredible. This dude is QB4? 1-800-636-8686. Go ahead and talk about that. Hey, Frisco fan. Wouldn't it be nice to have those picks? Yeah, I know you got Brock Purdy. Damn good thing, too. Where would you be without him, Frisco fan? Hey, Frisco fan. Uh, I don't know. It's more incredible that they turned Mr. Irrelevant into QB1, and he's a stud, Frisco fan, or the fact that you gave up three number ones and another pick, and this dude is, like, not worth much more than a bag of footballs. And I'll give you a kicking tee, Frisco fan. Hey, Frisco fan. Yeah, I know. Hey, hey, Rome, what happens when we win the Super Bowl this year? I'll tell you, Frisco fan. It'll still be one of the most catastrophic hey, trades fan. ever. Even if you get a ring, Frisco fan. What up, Mike? R.I.P., bro. Miss you. Miss you. So let's go ahead and talk about that. that that's crazy. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? This is depressing. I mean, 24 hours ago, I might have told you that the Angels season could not possibly be any more depressing than it is. And just as I thought that they'd hit rock bottom, somehow, some way, it got even more depressing. Way more depressing. Bad enough that they got their asses handed to them on both sides of a home doubleheader yesterday. And bad enough that it dropped them to a ridiculous 10 and a half games out of the final wild card spot. Never mind the fact that they went all in at the deadline, only to turn around and crash and burn and incinerate and implode and lose 16 of their next 21. All that happened. 
Yet all of those things, as soul-crushingly depressing as they are, are not nearly as soul-crushingly depressing as the news we got after the Halos finished up getting curb-stomped for the second time yesterday. I think I'll just let their GM, Perry Manassian, say it out loud for me so I don't have to say it myself. Go ahead, Perry. Obviously, Shohei left the game today. Um, We did imaging in between games. He does have a tear. you know, and he won't pitch the rest of the year. So we're going to get a second opinion, go from there, but it's basically day-to-day. Obviously, he hit. So, um, you know, that's that's where we're at. That's a UCL tear? Yes. Yeah. Should have pulled a Frisco fan or a Niner player or a Niner management and sent Trent Rendon out there to make the announcement. I don't know much about the situation. Forget Angel fan. That is searing pain for all baseball fans. Shohei Otani has a UCL tear again. He's done pitching for this season. There's no word yet on whether or not he'll need surgery, but it seems like it could be inevitable. It seems like he may, in fact, be headed for a second Tommy John procedure. It's also incredibly likely that his upcoming free agency just got a whole hell of a lot more complicated, right? I mean, give Shohei this much. He gave everything he had to the Angels. Yet they gave him some leeway. They listened to him when they said that he, or when he said he needed rest. But this guy gave everything he had to them. I don't know what they ever did to deserve this guy, but this dude gave it all to that club. He's taken two days off this entire season, even while playing both ways. Just two. He's kept right on pitching, even though there have been massive red flags for weeks. The finger cramping, the general arm fatigue. And instead of shutting it down, with the season obviously lost, he saw what they did. He saw them go all in. So this guy took the mound again yesterday, and then the elbow finally blew out. Even after he found out about the UCL tear after game one, what did this guy do? He played in game two, of course. And of course, he homered in game one with the elbow hanging because of course he did. Which is why I've got no doubt that he'll bounce back and he'll be productive as a hitter next season. Even if he can't pitch again until 2025 or maybe ever. See, that's where the doubt comes in. Did the two-way unicorn era of Shohei's career just come to a depressing end on a depressing day in the middle of the most depressing season ever? It's actually a legitimate question. You can't assume this guy's ever going to pick up a ball ever again. I don't know. Last time he had Tommy John surgery, he returned to the lineup the following May. But in terms of pitching, he made only two starts in the two seasons following that first TJ. So what would it mean if he has a second one and the first one came when he was 24? It's a different situation for a dude now at age 29. Like, I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to want to pitch again. In fact, I know he'll want to pitch again. But it's too early and too long of a road back to know if and when that's even possible. And of course, it's going to impact his free agency. 
which might be the biggest bummer of all. This dude seriously gambled potentially the most lucrative free agency in the history of the sport when he took the mound yesterday for a pathetic team that was already essentially mathematically eliminated. Like they had no prayer of getting in. And the guy's been dinged. We saw all the warning signs, and yet he took the ball anyway and still wanted to go out there and did go out there because that's the type of dude he is. And don't even come at me with Rome. He's still going to get paid. Yeah, I know. I know. But he may need Tommy John surgery. He may miss another year of pitching. I mean, obviously, it's going to impact his free agency. It's going to impact the rest of his career. And they literally weren't playing for anything. They were already dead in the water. Statistically, analytically, they had like a 0% chance. And he took the ball anyway and blew his elbow out. Could have shut it down, should have shut it down. But like the Angels, on the whole, this dude went all in on this miserable, doomed season. And just like the Angels, on the whole, he completely and utterly got burned for it. He rolled the dice and he crapped out like they did. This might be the most depressing season ever for a team in Major League Baseball history. All the Angels wanted was to show this guy that they could compete. And instead, they showed him they can't. And in the process of doing that, they ran this dude right into the ground and blew out his elbow. He's in the middle of the first 10-win, 40-home run season ever in that sport. And yet, all that production was still not enough to get this team within 10 and a half games of a wild card. All they wanted to do was impress this dude, but all they did was fail and watch this dude blow out his arm. And now all that's left for this to be the most depressing year ever for a franchise is for the year to end and for Shohei to walk. And it's never looked more likely that Shohei will walk. He walks, then they get next to nothing in return, and they end up wasting two of the greatest players in baseball history, both in their prime, and have nothing to show for it. Find me something more depressing than that. A more depressing situation in baseball than that. And trust me, I take no pleasure in saying this. I hate it. I hate that that train wreck is happening right up the road from where I'm broadcasting from. And I hate to say this, but... The big A feels a hell of a lot more like the big L this morning. And it's hard to see a time when that outlook is going to get any better for them. Sometimes when you shove all your chips right to the center of the table, you lose. And when you bet everything, you lose everything. And that's what it feels like right now with the Angels. Now what? What do they have now? Hell, what did they have when they had him? Well, besides everything. They have Trout. They have Shohei. Two of the best players ever in their prime for multiple years, and they have nothing to show for it. And now Shohei's going to probably walk, and they'll get nothing in return. Where does that leave that franchise? Now who are they? Now what are they? They're nothing. Like, they don't deserve this guy. They don't. It's like, I don't know, a zit-faced 16-year-old with a driver's license. Like hell, you're going to let them roll in a Bentley. Hey, yo, Junior, stop looking at that Bugatti. Here are the keys to a sensible, used Volkswagen Jetta. That's what you deserve. 
if this guy walks after they went all in to get him and he went all in to make it worthwhile only to have him blow out his elbow, let me tell you something. The Angels won't be a Volkswagen Jetta. They'll be that piece of crap XR4TI that I was upside down in that exploded after the dealer bought it back from me and tried to sell it off at auction. True story. They were rolling that XR4TI down to auction and it blew up. The engine blew up one block from auction. That'll be the angels if this guy walks and they get nothing in return and have nothing to show for it. What a depressing day. Man, what a depressing franchise. It's right up the road, which depresses me even more. He is Dexter Fowler. Dexter, what's going on? How are you? What's up, brother? How you doing? Good, dude. You look great. How you doing? Man, do you know we're 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 in Vegas. I'm trying to evade this heat and uh about trying to move into our we're moving into a house here in about three weeks, so that's good stuff. I'm going to ask you about Vegas. I'm glad you mentioned that. Listen, before we talk about that and before we talk about what's going on in the game today, I want to talk about where you are kind of like in your current headspace. When you officially retired earlier this year, how did you know, Dex, that it was time? And do you feel like you were able to go out on your own terms? Because not everybody gets to. Absolutely. You know what? I, I, I used to tell my parents all the time. I said, uh, they, they said, when, when do you think you'll be done playing? I said, when I stop having fun doing it. And, uh, you know, towards the end of my career, it's, it started to become a job. And I, I, that's when I knew it was time. I said, you know what, I, I, I could be doing some other things. I got a, a few other opportunities, and, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm I'm to take my, my, my talent somewhere else. All right, so when athletes stop playing, a lot of times they struggle with loss of identity. They struggle when the cheering stops. Like, what's the next chapter of your life look like? You know what? It's funny you say that because I'm busier than I was when I played. I, you know, I'm I'm sitting on a few boards. I'm doing some board work, uh, doing a lot of TV, uh, playing a lot of golf, and uh, just being with the family. It's it's been great. Uh, I actually get to do. I went to the Masters for the first time, so I'm, I'm getting to do all the bucket list stuff that I, I I haven't had a chance to do. Dexter Fowler joining us. I know you love to get the bats out. I'm talking about the golf clubs whenever possible. So now that you're not playing baseball full time, how are you hitting them these days? I'm hitting them all right. I'm hitting all right. You know what? I played in that in that Tahoe tournament, uh, and I, I got a top 50. So everybody's like, you know, so I'm in the middle of the pack. But everybody was like, you should have been in the, like we were all in the negatives our first time doing it. So you know, it, it, it's positive. What was that experience like? I was going to ask you about that. That is such a great, great event. What was that experience like, and what is your actual number right now? I'm a I'm a four six index. I'm four six index, but um, the it was nerve wracking. You're you're playing in front of you know fans, and you know it's it's not like you're going golfing with the boys. You're 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 out there really you know, really trying to compete and, and, you know, it's no gimmies. So you're, you're putting everything out. And now when I go back and play with the boys, it's like, ah, yeah, this, you're standing over putt. You're like, oh, this is nothing. Dex, that's funny. Like you said, it's nerve wracking. My man, you played 14 years in the major leagues. You won a world series. You were an (laughs) all-star and yet that's nerve wracking. Like, why is that nerve wracking compared to everything else you've done? 
because this is not what we do, right? It's like you're out of your element. So it's it's funny because we were in a practice round, and I said the most nerve-wracking part was being on the driving range because everybody's watching you, you know, you're trying to get interviews, and everybody's talking to you, and you're like, man, I I can't focus. Like, I, I got to be able to focus. And then I go out there, and God bless Kevin Millar. Kevin Millar was in front of us, and on the practice round, and his fans up and down the side, and he hits a ground ball like <laughs> – probably a hundred yards and i'm like oh we're good we're you know what everything's good because <laughs> uh if everybody was striping it down the middle i would have had more pressure i'd be like man i gotta stripe this ball but i ended up striping one down the middle anyway so millar is the best that is so great god bless ken millar for hitting a ground ball up the middle that took all the edge off everybody else <laughs> we're talking to dexter fowler you mentioned that. right yeah that, that's the best so you're moving into a new house in vegas i gotta ask you kind of a sidebar thing you ever see my man david goggins running through the desert there he lives in my neighborhood, so I see I see David all the time. He's a great dude, unbelievable individual. It's funny because uh, he he uh, he passed by my house and I was getting out. You know, he goes, "Is this?" I, I don't know if I can curse on here. No, not like, here, not here, bro, not shit? here, not here. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. So I'm like, right. I, I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, that's 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 big. That's a big house. I was like, bro, you got to come over. So no, he's a really good dude. I see Wahlberg. Wahlberg lives in my neighborhood. I see Mark all the time. And there's a lot of there's a lot of high net worth people, which but good people out here and, and a lot of good golfers as well. Hey Dex, I think that there's probably a lot of really high worth people out there, but nobody like Goggins, man. Goggins is something else. Like I've interviewed a lot of guys over the years. And I remember the first time I had him in the studio and I met him. I was as hyped for that conversation as almost any conversation I ever had for anybody because I respect the guy that much because that guy's that tough that hard i mean dude have you ever you, you played the game at the highest level have you ever seen a dude like goggins a guy that fierce that tough he's intense and i love it like i love the way that he goes about like once he's committed to something like you would hope that everybody was like that but that's that nobody can be like that that's a different mindset he's uh He's one of a kind for sure and, and good human being, though. No, I'm glad you know him. Dexter Fowler joining us. Glad you could share that. Hey, let me ask you about Shohei. He was diagnosed with that ligament tear in his right elbow. It's unclear if he's going to need surgery yet again, but the Angels say he's not going to pitch again this season. How do you think the injury is going to affect his upcoming free agency? Uh, honestly, I don't know. It might. You know what? I always look at the glass half, half, uh, half full. You know what? It. It might have, you know, it's his second one. The 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 hindsight of this is if he comes back out, right, he could still, like, say he, he gets surgery, he has six months to recover, he could still DH for a year, and then you got him an extra year pitching. So it, it, it might not be that bad. You know he's going to come back throwing harder and, you know, more motivated, and the guy is the best play, best player on the planet. I wonder how that plays out, right? Like, to your point, he could come out, he could still swing the bat, he may need the surgery. you think there's any chance, or what's the likelihood that if he has that second surgery, he does never pitch again, and then he's exclusively a one-way player, he's just a DH. How likely is that? I don't think that's likely. I mean, I, I, if it were 15 years ago, I'd be like, wow, you know. But, I mean, I've seen guys get two Tommy John twice, but, I mean, this guy's – He's he's an unbelievable player, and like like you said, he's a two way player. But you sign him to an extra year, and you get an extra year pitcher, right? If he come when he comes back, so maybe he's DH in the first year, 
but there's that there's always that unknown but what if he blows out again like on you know the for the second time but he's already done that so you know you, you got him for an extra three or four years Dexter, Dexter Fowler joining us. I see you working. Your most iconic moment obviously had to have been that leadoff home run in Game 7 of the 2016 World Series. As I mentioned, anytime you say something, that somebody's done something that nobody else has ever done in the history of the game, it's a pretty amazing thing. You've probably told the story a million times, but can you take us through the at-bat? What do you remember about that? Um. So... You know what is funny is I've watched that bat maybe twice, but I can huh. I, I recall it in my head like it was yesterday. You know, I'm on deck, and I remember, obviously, you're playing in Cleveland. Cleveland fans, it was so loud in there. And I could feel my, I could feel my heart beating. Like, and I was, but my mind was, it was going in slow-mo. So I get up to the plate, and I had a plan. And... Um, you know, the guy, the first pitch is a little bit off and I'm like, uh, okay, like that's fine. I'll give him that. The next pitch is Corey Kluber. He's throwing me this hip shot that he's been throwing. He's been striking everybody out on it. Right. And it's so hard to pull the trigger, but he threw it and probably borderline. The umpire called it a ball. And I was like, Oh, this guy's done. The fact that he's not getting that pitch, we're, we're in good shape. So the next one he throws is up and away. And then he, I was like, oh, he's coming back with that hip shot again. He left a little bit further over the plate, and I, I got him. Dex, why have you only watched that twice? Like, even thinking about it, look, my, the, the hair on my arms is it, it's, it's, um, it's standing up. Like, it's, uh, you know, it gets my blood pressure up. But seriously? Like, that makes you nervous. It does. That it does. You, you know what? Because you still, you still have that feeling. Maybe in like five years, I'll, I'll sit there and watch it again. Dude, that was 2016 too. That, that's an amazing thing. Dexter Fowler joining us. Let me ask you about the Yankees really quickly. So they snapped their nine-game losing streak last night, but they're still on track for their first losing season since '92. Their GM, Dex Brian Cashman, admitted that this season's been quote a disaster. Like he's not wrong. How much of the disaster is on cash for assembling that roster? And then how much of it's on the players? I mean, I always say it starts at the top. It starts at the top. But uh, and and two, being being in the clubhouse, the guys have to take accountability for it for, you know, their play as well. But I mean, you don't put the team together, but you work with what you have. And and so it's that's why it's a team. It's a team effort. And but it starts at the top, I feel like so. You know, to, for him to say it's disastrous and, you know, the, the weight's on him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that's going to cost the manager or the GM or both. How about one quick thought on the Cubs before you go? They're right in the thick of it now. They're in the thick of it in the NL Central. They're in the thick of it in the wild card race. They've won 24 of the last 34. Big reason for that has been the resurgence of 2019 NL MVP Cody Bellinger. How has he been able, in your opinion, to kind of level up and get squared away once again? Well, it starts off. I mean, he's wearing the right number. He's wearing twenty four. Like, okay. I mean, <laughs> there's some, there's some magic in there. There's some magic in that jersey. I, I, that's why I told him in spring training. But I had a long talk with him in spring training, and he had a different mind. You know, he had a different feel. I, I was telling him when he played for the Dodgers, like the, for the latter part of the years. I remember playing against him, and I told him, I said, "Man, like your earlier days when you came up, like you had this swag, you had this bounce when you were coming to the plate, and your later days there." It was more like a stroll, like I have to hit, right? And I said, bro, 
Like sometimes you just need a, a change in scenery. And I saw that in spring training and I told him, I said, bro, you're going to have a really good year. I, 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 I'm feeling it because I, I see your mindset and I see your, 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 your body language and it, it, it tells me something different. God, dude, isn't that the truth? That is so baseball, right? I mean, never mind. This whole thing, I understand that baseball is a game of failure, but you can see it, right? Not only in body language, but in guys where they expect something good to happen. They go to the yard knowing something good is going to happen as opposed to hope, hoping something good is going to happen. I mean, the, the confidence and the mindset and the six inches between the ears, is that not 90, 95% of the game? Absolutely. And I, and like I said, I haven't had as much success as Cody Bellinger, but like he's the MVP. But at the end of the day, like at, I've, I've been there. I've done that. Like I've gone to a, a change of scenery and been like, whoa, like I'm excited. I'm excited to play again. Like I'm excited to go out and, and, and perform. And that does wonders to you. So like you said, I mean, it's 90% of the game. I've seen guys with the most talent you'll ever see, but they just didn't have it up there. And you know, they're nowhere to be found now. Dexter, I'm hearing it right now from you in this very sense, like a change of scenery, a change of scenery, and that you moved on to the next phase of your life, and the energy's there. There's, there's definitely a rejuvenation. Not that you didn't have that already, because you always brought that to the yard, but you got that same energy and that same intensity. Listen, great to have you on the show. Good luck finishing up that move in Vegas, and really good to talk to you, man. Great to have you. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good night now!